Good morning. I invite you to rise as you're able. We gather in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through our, the Holy Spirit that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. Here in this place, new light is streaming. Now it's the darkness vanish away. Brought here to you in the light of this day. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Lord, 
Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on us. Hear our humble plea. Lord, have mercy on earth. Lord, have mercy on earth. Lord, have mercy on earth. Hear our humble With you. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without you nothing is strong, nothing is holy. Embrace us with your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may live through what is temporary without losing what is eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated and for our kids to come forward at this time. Come on up. Uh, come on up, guys. Come on up, kiddos. It's safe. <laughs> it's safe. Yes. There you go. All right. Have you ever had a bad dream? Like we call them nightmares sometimes. Nightmares too. Yeah, yeah, that's what you call yours too. You have some, yeah. You have a bunch sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, a dragon was, yep. Oh, with the wings. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Oh, my goodness. That, thank you for sharing that. That is, you know, there are scary things. And sometimes our dreams help us kind of work out those fears. I think that's a lot of times what's happening. God's given us that ability. But there's some things we get scared about in this life. There's a lot of scary things. And you know what? God has not just stayed away from our fears. God has given us some promises. Um, what are some things that help you be less afraid? Yeah. Your, your mom's amazing hugs. Yes. Yes. Breathing. Excellent. Those help me be less afraid too. That, that felt good. That's good. What, what other things help you be less afraid? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think about that mom, mom's hug. You know, I think God has given us a big hug sometimes. He gives us that hug through our parents, 
and through friends and maybe a really deep breath when we breathe in God's love. And God has given us a promise that we are not alone. That even though there's a lot of scary things in the world, this is my favorite one. He's given us certain promises to hang on to. So let's, let's take your hands open like this. And then we're going to just pretend like there's this promise and it's like a piece of paper and we're just going to grab onto it, okay? We're going to cling onto it. And you know what that promise is? Paul says to us that nothing, say nothing, say nothing again, nothing can separate us from the, say love, love, say of God, of God. There it is. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's, he's given us that promise. And that's what we hang on to with all our fears. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for deep breaths and for hugs and for a promise that nothing can separate us from your love. May these children know that in the midst of some sometimes scary things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Excellent. First reading is from Malachi chapter 4. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all the evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. The word of the Lord.
Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 21st chapter. When some were speaking about the temple, it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, as these things that you see, the days will come when you, when not one stone will be left upon another, all will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will be the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, beware, that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. And he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, and in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from the heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise the sky is falling. I didn't say that. No, the sky is falling. <laughs> You're not buying that. I can remember going to amusement parks occasionally, and I maybe wasn't the most courageous kid, but getting on one of those really fast, scary rides, and when you're on it, you know, like, can I get off? <laughs> Too late. Although, I do remember occasionally there were some of those and maybe the carnival ones where someone would be like, no, really, stop the ride. I want to get off. And they would stop the ride. I can remember back in my college years, I loved a contemporary Christian artist named Randy Stonehill. He had a great song called, Stop the World, I Want to Get Off. Back then, you know. 30-plus years ago, things in the world seem to be so bad, you just want to stop and get off. Well, as we draw to, near to another church year in our lectionary cycle, Christ the King Sunday coming up, and then we begin a new year with Advent, our lectionary readings also move us to the end to the apocalypse, to eschatology. Say that word with me. Eschatology. Eschaton, the end-ology study of what is Jesus' eschatology, what is our eschatology, what do we think about when we think about the culmination of all things. And so we hear today from the Gospel of Luke and Jesus's what we call the little apocalypse. Little because apocalypse means revelation. You know about the revelation of John, the last book in the New Testament, the book of revelation, not revelations, but revelation. The revelation of John. Well, this is Jesus' little apocalypse. He's talking about the return of the Son of Man and the great day of the Lord like you heard in our Old Testament reading today. 
Jesus clearly was one who had an imminent expectation of God's intervention in the world. This is very in line with Jewish apocalyptic thought. In the Dead Sea Scrolls, the community of Qumran, and we, for many other rabbinical writings, there was a belief that, that this world was really, really, really messed up in control of evil forces and powers, but God would soon intervene. And it would seem that Jesus understands his own mission of coming into the world as part of that intervention. But Jesus still talks about a final intervention, and that was very much in line with Jewish apocalyptic thought. And so Jesus talks about what will happen and when it will happen and what it'll be like and the persecutions and the struggles and the wars and the famines. That was 2,000 years ago. What do those words of Jesus, his little apocalypse, as the writer of Luke brings it to us, what does that have to say to us today? We don't live in the apocalyptic mindset anymore, do we? We don't have any of that. Have you looked at Netflix recently? Or any of the movies? Apocalyptic thought is everywhere. What is it? A meteor's coming? It's going to hit in the ocean and obliterate the earth? It could happen. I mean, it could be. We don't know. In fact, it would seem like in the secular realm, there's all kind of apocalyptic thought. Earthquakes, famines, the movies talk about the end of the world. There's legitimate things that make us fearful and scared. I'm quite concerned about climate change. Will the world be irreversibly destroyed in another 12 years if we don't do something? I don't know. Apocalyptic preachers are out there. There's, if we get the wrong person, these leaders in our world, oh my goodness, the world is going to come to an end. <laughs> we live in the nuclear age, even though we're used to it. That's quite scary to me. I brought up the Russian missile crisis in Man of Bible Study, and man, it was amazing to hear the stories of what it was like back then. It was just as real as if it had happened yesterday to that generation. I think I was still in the crib or something like that. So what does Jesus' words about the coming of the great day of the Lord, this apocalyptic preaching, what does that have to do with us today? Well, it does seem like we still live in a kind of sometimes doomsday context. In fact, the Pew Research Center um, has shown that the millennial generation is, that's now into adulthood, only 37% of those in the United States believe or are confident in our country's future. Now, the irony of this is that they compared that to other generations that are older, like my generation, what we thought when we were that age. And guess what? It wasn't that. You think that the older you get, the more pessimistic you get. But that's not what the research shows. Like 60% today of people in um, the 60s, 70s year olds are relatively optimistic about this country. Maybe because they don't have much to go. I don't know. <laughs> but it's interesting. We do know that the millennial generation economically is way less confident that they're going to have a standard of living or whatever um, that their parents have. We've seen that in studies. There's lots of pessimism in the world, and it's not all unfounded. I'm quite concerned about all the things that I've brought up today already. What do Jesus' words have to offer to us in this kind of world? Because it seems like there's two things that happen in this apocalyptic 
um, milieu that we live in. You either get freaked out and scared to death and live in panic every day. I mean, you know, it's kind of like being staying up all night worried because you know you're not getting enough sleep. <laughs> or we withdraw and throw in the towel. Just say, oh, the world's messed up, forget it. I'm just going to take care of my own and myself and I'm done. You either live in complete... So can we find some place in the middle? Maybe Jesus' words will help us here. It's interesting when you look at what Jesus says in this little apocalyptic word in this chapter, actually, he talks about the end, but he talks about it in such a way to focus on the present. The question is not what persecutions reveal about the end, but what they mean for life now. In fact, Jesus says, don't be terrified. Don't go to that terrified, freaked out space. And he actually gives us a totally different frame to view all the hardships and all the problems and all the persecutions and all the challenges. He gives us a totally different frame than what we would think of. Jesus, his words are focused on comfort and the present more than on fear and the future. So how do we look at adversity according to Jesus when he talks about what's going to happen before the great day of the Lord? How do we look at it? I just was blown away when I, this, this phrase leaped off the page at me. In this passage, the persecution and sufferings of Jesus' followers are presented as the fulfillment of Jesus' prophecy. They are meaningful because they are to be expected, that is, these persecutions, in a world where God's reign is contested. But they are not proof of the immediate end. Jesus says, hey, when you see all this happening, don't freak out. The end is not near. The end, it isn't yet. It might be near, but it's not yet. Let me just be really clear. Anytime you hear anybody talking about the second coming of Christ and they get really specific of when, shut it off. And I know I've joked about this in the past for two reasons. If they got it right, Jesus said it's going to be a surprise. So if they got it right, he's going to say, oh, I guess I'll have to wait longer because I was going to surprise them. <laughs> so just tell them to stop. But two, Jesus isn't focused on the when. He's focused on the now. And in fact, he says all these struggles that you're experiencing, they will give you opportunity to testify, to witness. Marturion is the word in Greek where we get the word martyr. <laughs> because oftentimes people that witnessed did lose their lives. But for us today, what if we look at all the adversity, all the fear mongering, all the scared, the scared words out there, all the troubling things, all the persecutions maybe we feel, and say, wow, this is cool. This gives me an opportunity to witness. Will you help me with that? Because <laughs> I have a hard time doing that. I don't go there automatically, but boy, Jesus' words just hit right to my heart. I don't get to throw up my hands. I also don't have to freak out in fear. Jesus says, hey, you've got opposition? Good. That gives you opportunity to witness. So let's talk just briefly about how we witness today. I saw it happen lots of times this week already. I heard about conversations where people were listening to each other. When the person that was talking was sharing their pain and struggle, their worries, their concerns, there was listening, there was care and support going on. That's a way we testify because when we do that, we show we care and we have compassion and we show God is good and God loves us and so I'm going to listen, I'm going to be present. 
I heard some stories this week about people who were engaging in their occupation in very difficult situations, but they were trying to do it with integrity and care and love and honesty. They were, not, they were fighting to not get swept up into this sea of, of, of hostility and negativity and, and backbiting and, you know, this type of thing. And they were just struggling to, you know, put the actions of someone else in the best of lights. That's testifying. The letter of John says that we are not to just love in word, but also in deed. You see, we testify not just with our words, but with our actions and what we do each and every day when we love our spouse, when we love our kids. When we're engaged in the world, we, we are testifying. So, yeah, does it look bad? It's always looked bad. A thousand years ago, people thought the world was going to end. You know why? A new weapon was invented. You know what it is? Gunpowder is surely going to destroy the world. It was over. Martin Luther thought, you know, the world is going to end. Look at all the horrible things. It's, and it could. I don't know. Be ready. Be in Christ. But take heart. This is an opportunity for you to testify. But yes, in word, you need to say something. You need to say, well, I know that God is ultimately in control and this world is not going to H-E double toothpicks. It's going to God. And so I'm going to stay engaged. I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep proclaiming God's love in Christ Jesus. I'm going to keep not returning evil for evil. I'm not going to get swept up into that. I'm not going to get pulled into that. I'm not going to respond with evil when I get evil done to me. That's, I'm going to stay in the fight, and I'm going to proclaim and testify to God's love in Christ Jesus because God has done something. When I mentioned that Jesus said he thought that his life was a part of God's ultimate intervention as he talks about the second coming and the great day of the Lord, I meant it. And what happens is that Jesus is put to death and God raises him up from the dead to proclaim to all of us, to the whole world, that no matter how bad it is, God will destroy death and God in the end will make all things right when Christ comes again. And we live in this in-between time, but we live with a promise. Because you could say, Pastor Bill, you're just talking about a bunch of pie in the sky, nice things. No, I'm talking about Christ is risen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, that's why I can tell you what I'm telling you today. The meal, the forgiveness, the love, the grace he gives us now gives us a promise that we cannot be separated from his love in Christ Jesus. So keep on keeping on. Stay in the fight. God will make it right. Amen.
Together with the whole world, let us confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray now for the whole people of God in Christ Jesus. Let us pray for all people everywhere according to their need. God, our maker, we spend our lives putting trust in fleeting things, making temporary temples that cannot stand. Recenter us that we might build our lives around your call and mission, bearing witness to your eternal grace and love. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Lord Jesus, the world reels with violence and tragedy. We lift up those dealing with floods in, in Italy and fires in Australia. We lift up those dealing with political unrest in South America. We mourn again with another community rocked by a school shooting. Help us to hold fast to the hope we have in you, seeking your healing now and looking toward your ultimate victory. Lord, in your mercy. Spirit of God, bind us together as your community, seeking to deepen our connection to one another, to those we do not know, and in our personal connection to you. Bless the places where our congregation gathers to learn, to serve, and to grow through our connection to you and each other. Lord, in your mercy. In our prayers. Loving God, we pray for many in this community, we lift up the Rupp family today. We pray um, for Fred's sister-in-law. Uh, we pray um, as she is nearing the end of her life. And also for his nephew, Joe, who is on life support. We pray for Joe's mom as well and for the whole Rupp family. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Loving God, we lift up before you George Domaheide as he is... Uh, as he just had a second surgery and is recovering in the hospital in Bremerton. We pray for Kathy Bowman as she is undergoing treatment for breast cancer, for Lucille Lampy in frail health, for the family of Virginia Olson as they mourn her death and celebrate her life, and for George Gillies who continues to be hospitalized. God, we also ask that you would lift up our congregation as we have our annual meeting to get today, that you would give us vision for the future and that you would give us buy-in for the kingdom work that we have to do together. God, we also lift up many before you uh, today who are facing cancer. We pray for Priscilla, Elizabeth, Angela, Gary, Dave, Jim, Ron, Kathy, and Carol. And we hold before you those who are deployed and their families here at home for Jillian, Bradley, Aaron, Rebecca, Eric, Megan, Jared, Andrew, David, and others. And we continue to pray for many whom we hold in your care. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. For whom else and what else do the people of God pray this day? We pray for Peter Carr's family and his death. Hold them and his friends in your care. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Into your hands, O God, we commend all for whom we pray. We commend this whole world, trusting in your promises, trusting in the mercy that you have shown, continue to show, and for the hope that you ultimately bring. In Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you all. And also with you. We share that peace with one another. Paula presiding? Paula presiding at the place? Okay. Just so she knows about Peter. Peace be with you.
Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, Luann. Peace be with you. Peace be with you, Mom. Good morning again, and I um, invite you to continue to share peace with one another, um, to, sh to pass the friendship booklets down, to note your presence here with us. Um, it's also a great place if you're a guest of ours today, uh, whether it's your first time or you've been here a couple of times, to note uh, an address or an email that we can send you just simply a letter of thanks for being with us today. Begin to make that connection. Um, certainly a, a lot of things going on in that uh, uh, ministry or excuse me, in the beacon, um, as the holidays are coming upon us. Uh, lots of ways to really put meaning into, into all of that, uh, both in service and events that we have going on. I want to highlight just a couple of things. Of course, the congregational meeting is happening today. That will be right after the second worship service today, if you're able to hang around or come back. Um, and then also next Sunday during the Sunday school hour will be another time for us to get together as, as different generations and to put together Thanksgiving baskets and then also put together some Advent logs for ourselves and for some others as well. Yeah, please. Oh. Okay. You can see the logs in the, in the entry here and then over in the gathering place as well if you want to just kind of take a look. They're a great way to, to focus in and and celebrate the season. One of my best childhood memories is sitting around that Advent wreath um, as well. So with that, then, um, we continue our worship with our pledges and offerings. God of mercy and grace, 
The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ. You have shown your promises to your people throughout the ages, and chiefly you have shown your promise through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, in which we celebrate and commemorate that day, that event. Hold us in your care, in your love, and keep us steadfast in your promises, that we may rejoice with all the saints in light, with the choirs of angels, with the church on earth, and the hosts of heaven, in whom we praise your name and join their unending hymn. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord, remember us in your love as we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The strength of God's promises are known and experienced and taken in through this meal. I invite you to be seated and come forth as you're invited.
you to rise as you're able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. God of abundance, with this bread of life and cup of salvation, you have united us with Christ, making us one with all your people. Now send us forth in the power of your spirit that we may proclaim your redeeming love to the world and continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and with mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. are grace-filled. Go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks.